Hey everyone and welcome to the episode 20 of the e-learning guys. My name is Nate Zorgadulmin and as always I'm joined by Mr. David Charney. Hello Nate, hello everyone. Hello Dave, what is up? Uh, not too much. I, I had the busiest yesterday, uh, so a little bit more breathing room today. How about yourself? Yeah, also very busy uh, yesterday. I, I recorded the Slovenian Tech Podcast in the morning, and the, in the afternoon I spoke to you and a very nice fellow named Brent. Yeah, we did the uh, TLD chat. That was a lot of fun. Uh, recording will be available uh, on their website. We'll put everything in the show notes. But yeah, we, we spoke a bit about uh, e-learning guys, the podcast, how we started, uh, our, a bit about our backgrounds, and then some specific learning questions. And it was fun. And the, the hour went by really fast. Because at first I was afraid, like, what are we going to speak about for one hour? But then, yeah, I mean, it, it could easily be three hours, I guess. Yeah, it did. It it flew by, and and we're one of many too. We'll put the YouTube channel as well in the show notes, um, and uh, you can watch all sorts of videos about training, learning, and and development. Yeah, they had the they have a nice list and the, the nice collection of video chats with many different uh, interesting people and developers and people involved in the e-learning community so it's worth checking it out yeah dave i really like shortcuts <laughs> whenever i can not click I i'll i'll do that <laughs> i i would i wish i had a little bit better memory for it but um there are a few that i absolutely uh it'd probably take me uh a day to do something instead of an hour if I didn't know them. I don't think it's so much that you, it's like you have a bad memory. It's just you have to use it a few times and, you know, just think about how can I do this without three clicks and it's, it's awesome. And the other day, the other day, which was, I guess, two months ago, um, <laughs> I was playing around and I discovered that for the format object shortcut, is available in Storyline, and it's available through uh, Control-Enter, with the shortcut Control-Enter, so you don't have to right-click Format Object, you just click Control-Enter, and the thing opens, and it's amazing. I use this all the time. And you told me about it, now I use it all the time. <laughs> That's awesome. And I was, I was a little bit disappointed, because I was searching through Articulate's website for shortcuts, I I don't think I found the list, but I know that someone tweeted it at me. Uh, so it might be an older document. I'm not sure. But however, uh, I, I believe there actually is a list of shortcuts available. So I'll put that. I'll find it and put it in the show notes so you guys can check it out. It's worth taking a look because you can save many clicks and that's worth saving. However, I did not stop just at the keyboard shortcut. I wanted to go further. You know what I did? What's that? Let me tell you, Dave. <laughs> Thought you might. So I I have a mouse, uh, Logitech MX Master, which has a few buttons. So a few, few buttons. And one of the buttons is, you know, one is back when you go back on the website, and one is forward, which I use rarely. So 
I assigned the forward mouse button to a keyboard shortcut, con uh, Control Enter, which means I just click an object, I click a button on the mouse, and Format Object dialog box opens. And it's amazing. And I advise everyone, if you have a mouse with a lot of buttons and you like shortcuts, apply the shortcuts there and the, the, the working storyline will be much smoother. Yep, very nice. Uh, I should also add that you discovered then the control shift enter, which is the size and position. And I think you discovered that totally by accident, right? When I tweeted the shortcut. Yeah, I think you had mentioned your shortcut and... Um, I think you even said next up size and position, and so yeah. I just I just tried Control Shift Enter. Yeah. Um, just you know this will never work, and it just did work. So um, there there it is. Control Shift Enter will get you to size and position. Yeah, I think we were on Skype, and I mentioned the shortcut, and then like ten minutes later, you found it. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, just uh, just a guess. No, the thing that bothers me that, that in the storyline you cannot assign like custom shortcuts for each button. However, I did find a way how to create a shortcut for any button in Storyline. So the one I really use a lot is align vertically and align horizontally. Because I re really don't like that there are two clicks. You know, you have to click align and then go down with the mouse and select. So how do you do that? <laughs> There's a, I'm not sure this app is available for Windows. I think it's just for, for OS X. It's actually, it's just for Mac OS. That's how it's called now. It's called Keyboard Maestro. And what it does, you can, you can create these macros where you say that uh, please move the mouse to this image. So what I did, I selected the align a button in Storyline. Well, I created a screenshot screenshot of the Align button and put it here in the in the macro in in Keyboard Maestro. So you say, please move the mouse and click on that part of the screen. You know, so the the app itself itself finds the button and clicks it. And then the, the another command is pause for five seconds and then move the mouse and find the Align horizontally and click there. So, you know, that's the approach. First, I, I did it without the pause, but it was too fast. It couldn't find the next image because the, the drop-down didn't open <laughs> fast enough. Uh, so I had a, a small pause with five milliseconds, and then the other click happens. And it works. It works. So my control one, this does uh, distribute vertically. I actually distribute vertically, and the control two does distribute horizontally. And you can do it quickly. Just select the, the object uh, objects and click the shortcut, and it works. So you can do this trick with Keyboard Maestro. It's worth checking it out. I think there's a trial version, so you can play around with it. But it opens opens more possibilities. It could even open, you know, it could open, you know, imagine opening it, opening a format object, uh, you know, clicking on the fill, clicking on the gradient. You could do, do all that with one click, you know, with just some delays between the commands. So, yeah, uh, I like this stuff and it works fine. Yeah, nice tip. But what we don't like are storyline problems. Is that correct, Dave? Uh, yeah, I don't like them. Although it does give me a reason to make a, a video. But <laughs> That's true. <laughs> generally, That's true. I guess I learn a lot from them. But So what was the problem? Uh, yeah, so 
Uh, there is a the recent Articulate eLearning Challenge, which is using Lego bricks to design interactivity or interactive lesson plans in eLearning. It's number 100 or 180. You can look that up. Uh, there is uh, basically I wanted to create this little educational module called Earth to the Moon uh, in Storyline, and basically you'll drag a Lego-looking moon a distance from a Lego-looking Earth, and when you release the moon, this Lego guy pops up and tells you if you're correct or not. Um, and so I, I used a scroll bar. I put the moon image on the thumb, which is the part of a scroll bar that you move back and forth. Um, and a little trick to that, I the moon I thought was a little bit small um, of a thing to click uh, because it's this tiny little block. And so I made it a ping and I made it transparent all the way around it so it's a little bit bigger on the thumb. And I think that helped a lot. So it's just a side thing. But um, then I um, I made it so that it's an on-click. So I have a trigger on-click when, and here's the thing about Storyline, an on-click really happens on release, which is a little confusing. So when you release, when you click and drag and release the um, thumb, it should trigger this guy to pop up. And it looks at what variable you are on the scroll bar. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it worked great. No problems, did exactly what you'd expect it to until I tried it on a mobile device. And then it didn't work at all. So apparently the on-click uh, somehow didn't, didn't fire or something wasn't recognized there. And obviously I wanted this thing to work. So um, luckily I'd run into this once before with the parallax guy I did. Uh, same problem and the solution was to create a timer in Storyline. So I created a layer uh, that was one second long and put a trigger on that layer. That So basically when the timeline ends, I want it to show that feedback uh, layer that I have, the guy that pops up, the Lego guy that pops up and gives you the feedback. So uh, what I did was once I created that layer, and what's nice about using the layer is uh, I can just, if if two seconds is, seems better, I can just make the layer longer. Uh, it's very easy to kind of trial and error it. So then all I had to do is set up two more triggers uh, and use the the on slider move uh, basically command. So when the slider moves, every time it moves, uh, I want it to hide that timer layer and then show the timer layer. So basically what's happening is it's it's just constantly restarting that timer layer and it as long as you keep moving it you know, quick enough within a second, it's never going to get to the end of the uh, timer layer and show the feedback. So you know, you're moving it around, and then you kind of stop, and after a second, you'll see that come up. That works really well uh, both on, on your, your desktop computer, your mobile device. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a good, uh, good solution. Yeah, it's it's a great example. It's it's a really nice Lego uh, looking thing, and uh, the guy is uh, you know very um, charming and gives you nice feedback. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and it even works now with that that trick. And you know, it's just a, maybe a good trick to keep in mind if something's going on. Um, if you're using a slider, uh, or there's a lot of reasons you could probably use it, but you know, a little timer like that. And I think you and I have run into where it's not a really good timer over a long period of time if you're actually trying to keep time. And you've talked about that before. But if you're just trying to kind of have a little uh, 
amount of time to uh, to do a check of something, it works really well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, nice work, nice work, nice example. And we will put the link to the example in the show notes. Cool. Yay. Now I have a super simple, stupid trick, which are the best <laughs> tricks ever. And that's a trick about how to remove the animations to a lot of objects. Uh, and maybe these objects are on, on different slides. You know, so you can, can just select all and, you know, remove the animations. So my sim- so may- let, let's say you have 20 slides and there's one object on each slide that you want to get rid of the animation of. So here's the simple trick. Use Animation Painter. Just select an, select an object that doesn't have any animations or maybe start with the first object, remove the animation and then use the Animation Painter uh, and double-click the Animation Painter and then just go through all the slides and click on the objects that you want the animations to be removed. Animation Painter also works in the opposite direction. It removes the animations if there are none on the original object. So that's it. That seems very simple. That seems uh, very easy to do. Yeah, yeah. Nice trick. Uh, Maybe just, you know, doesn't really come to mind when you think about Animation Painter. Like this is, the the tool is not called Not Animation Painter. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the it works. Painter. Yeah, the uh, D, yeah, not the D. Okay. We're moving into the ask the e-learning guys section and we had a question from Allison on Twitter and she's asking about the existence of laws in Europe that I have to work with about accessibility. And uh, just let me first give you my experience working with mostly companies here. I had zero questions about accessibilities or any requirements about that. So it seems that at least the companies are not asking about this. You know, there is not, it seems that there's not a law that requires them to do that. So there were no requirements. I also worked... uh, on two projects for the government here and there were no questions about accessibility. From my personal experience, there, there, there were no requests. So I basically had zero experience with working with that because, you know, there were no questions. But you, Dave, provided me with the link to the 508 compliance that you have in the US. And from there, I did... Uh, there's a link that led me to a Wikipedia, Wikipedia article about web accessibility things. And there's a nice list about countries around the world uh, and their standards that they use. Uh, so there is actually a standard called, uh, it has a really nice name, EN301549. <laughs> Rolls off the tongue. Yeah, totally which states that all websites managed by public sector bodies have to be made accessible. And this is going to become the law next September. So on the 23rd September 2018, this will be enforced. And so the, like, I guess all the doc, all the, all the website things provided by the you know, public sector bodies will have to comply with this, this standard. But from your link, Dave, there I also saw that there's a just like nice closing parameter, a nice closing thought 
that no single worldwide standard has been developed and to date there is no plan to develop a single standard. Other efforts include and so on. So I, I hope something like that does, does develop. Uh, you know, I think it's better for everyone if, if we have a single standard for everything. You know, it's easier for us as developers and like Articulate that provides the tools to do that. Um, but for now, it seems that, you know, you have probably more strict uh, standard here. And here is, seems that something is slowly, you know, being prepared and it's going to be in use. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, again, we'll, we'll have some links in the show notes to all this stuff, but... Uh, you know, Storyline and Lectora and Captivate, they all have 508 compliance-based uh, tools. Either the either the way you build stuff automatically does some things, or you can go back and manage alt tags and various things. And there's certain ways to build things. There's a lot of great information out there. And, uh, you know, r- really, it just, it, you know, if you're working with someone, it's good to ask them if they have to follow uh, any accessibility, anything before you start building, yeah. uh, just to, so you can keep it in mind and build towards that. Yeah. So how about that micro e-learning? <laughs> <laughs> I like your transition. Um, yeah. How about that? Uh, so yeah, we had uh, another ask the learning guys. Uh, some people were asking about uh, the explainer micro e-learning explainer video I had done and what that was built in. And it was built in After Effects. And uh, then there's a little bit of a continued question on uh, can that be built in Storyline? So I uh, just wanted to talk briefly about that. Um, I built that in After Effects. Um, some of my videos are a bit more I'm showing things in programs and Storyline and, and whatnot. Uh, but but I really wanted to create kind of a motion graphics uh, explainer video where I've got some relating images to what I'm saying. And After Effects was the best tool for me to use. I know how to use it, so that certainly helps in my decision. But uh, the reason that I I decided to use that over maybe something else is because of the control I have. Uh, Scale, position, the the alpha or the transparency, uh, effects that I have, text effects, the way text comes in, masking, blurring, adding ease to something. So it it might come in fast and slow down to a stop, which is always... um, really good for your, how your eye, you know, watches something, many more things like that. Also, you can group things, so you can create an animation into a kind of a group and reuse that any place along an along a alternative timeline. And so it's it's really, that there are just a lot of reasons to use it. It's, it's a lot more pixel to pixel exactly what you mm-hmm. want. Where if you use Storyline, you can do some of those things. You know, I can have objects slide on screen at certain times. I can have... Um, I can use uh, the, uh, the motion path to have something move on screen and then move a little bit more and move a little bit more. But I think when you start using it more and more, you'll realize that by the pixel, you can't quite control exactly where things are at. Um, you can't really scale things. I can't have an object smaller on screen and scale it up if I'm trying to, uh, let's say I've got, you know, I'm, I'm calling out five steps. And as I call out each step, I want each of those to kind of zoom in a little bit. Um, you can't really do that uh, as fluidly as you can in After Effects. So um, if you have After Effects, and a lot of people might have the Adobe Cloud and maybe not even realize they have After Effects, but it's, it's a good thing to look into it. You can certainly create a lot of stuff in it, output it, and put it into like Storyline or Captivate, Lectora, any of those programs. Um, so that's what I, that's what I used, and uh, it's nice too because I can, 
I can reuse things very easily in, in new projects and just create a really nice, uh, really nice video from it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I never actually got into After Effects. Can you tell me, is it, is it super hard? How, how, would you, how would you suggest for me to start learning this? You know, I would say there's certainly, I mean, there's tons of videos out there on the YouTubes that explain how to do things. Um, it, it's, it's kind of, it's one of those programs that can be as complex as you need it to be. Uh, if you uh, need to do really, I mean, it's professionally used in movies and, you know, TV, all these things. So, but um, to just put an object on screen and, and move it around, it's relatively easy. There's you import an object, you drag it to the to the timeline. You can um, position it on the timeline so that it uh, it's got an in point and an out point. And then you've got all these just tools: uh, scale, uh, its position, x and y. And you basically just set keyframes. You say at mm-hmm. this point, I want it to start here, and it, yeah. and then I down the slider say here's an out point, and I want it to go there over this amount of time. And that's more or less what you do it gets a lot more complicated than that but one nice thing about the timeline and after effects over the timeline in storyline is that and i wish there was a setting for this in storyline but in after effects wherever you're wherever you're at in the timeline you just see what's at that time where in storyline if you're at a certain point in the timeline you'll see everything all layers across the entire timeline yeah and and that can be, you can hit the little play button in the bottom, what, left of the storyline um, timeline thing, but it, it's not like a real time being no. able to view yeah. what someone's really going to see in that timeline. Uh, so that is very helpful when building things. Yeah, that's really, I, 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 I do hope that in, I don't know, storyline 720, you know, we have the option to, <laughs> to drag the, um, what's the, you know, the position in time and thought and show what's the current status of the object that that's really missing and it's hard it's hard i know we had a course that was maya was working on it so i I was happy i was not working on it because it had it was an old recording of like a seminar and they had an old e-learning product that had eight minute long slides so we just took the audio and redid, you know, with the and added animations, added, you know, transitions, added, you know, anime, um, pictures, images, and so on. So, you know, so Maya was working on that, and she had eight minutes of stuff, you know, on one slide, and it was really when you when you when you look at that slide, it was horrible. I mean, and so many objects in the timeline, and everything overlaps, you know. So the only way to make some sense out of it and while while you're developing is just to hide everything and just to show the things that you're working on i don't know at the minute 20 mark and it's hard it's hard so i really wish they had the you know this head position that would show you directly how the objects look or show just the objects that are relevant to that time in the timeline so yeah yeah i agree basically all of other programs do this but not storyline is that uh I might have my terms messed. Is that onion skinning? Um, so I'm not basically sure. by def- by default you wouldn't s- you just see where you're where you're um where you're at in the timeline, but if you turn on onion skinning, then you see basically everything that you want to see 
across the board, um, across the timeline. So yeah, that would be a nice feature. Maybe the next version of Storyline. Maybe. <laughs> and now, you, and now you wanted to sing a song, right, Nate? You, you had a song you wanted to sing. It is time to wrap up this podcast now. Okay, that was the short song. So, Dave, I think really we have to wrap it up. Please tell us where can people find you. Well, for custom e-learning, you can find me and my team at Illumin Group at illuminegroup.com. Uh, you can check out my videos at uh, youtube.com slash uh, elearninglocker. And you can follow me at Dave underscore Charney, C-H-A-R-N-E-Y. How about you, Nate? You can also find me on Twitter under Nick N-E-J-C-D or Nate D. And also on the elearningbrewery.com. There's just a, you know short website with my contact and of course don't forget to ask us anything for the ask the e-learning guy segment you can just tweet at us or send a message through the form that is available on the website take care everyone and talk to you in 15 days yep thanks everyone and happy learning e